0: Last seventeen, broadcasting from deep within Combine territory. It is every citizen's duty to resist the Combine and learn the truth. Welcome, listeners. It's been 168 hours since our last transmission. Hopefully, your week has been as interesting and eventful as ours. So, welcome. This is Philip from Planet Philip, and with me today I have Ryan, aka Stenchy, from ModDB, and Matt, aka Crowbar Scar, the developer of Union. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. And of course, with me as always is William. Hello, Will- William.
1: Oh, thank you, Philip. You're talking about how bad this week has been, and let me tell you, my week was well, started off really good with Left 4 Dead demo, and pretty much just went to shit because now my Steam account is compromised and I'm not sure why. I just wanted to get that off my chest.
0: (laughs) And hopefully any Valve employee listeners will then rush to their computers to try and solve your problem.
1: Yeah, because it's really hard to uh, catch up on Half-Life
0: news when you know you can't play anything. This is a reminder to everybody, take care of your passwords. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, uh, my name is Ryan Anderson, A.K.A. Stenchy, uh, as known as on uh, moddb.com, and uh, my official title is executive editor. But I'm I'm pretty much I pretty much do a lot of stuff there uh, on the site. Everything from uh, video content creation to organizing interviews with people, and uh, kind of dealing with the companies on on higher level stuff. But uh, yeah, been at moddb for about a year now, and. Uh, Hopefully, it's improved in that year. I'd like to th- think it has.
0: And what about your first memory of Half-Life?
2: My first memory of Half-Life, um, I actually got into Half-Life um, probably. I didn't, I didn't get into it until after Blue Shift was released, so I was like late to the party there, mainly because I had a pretty crappy computer. But uh, yeah, my first ha- my first memory, I I actually remember. Getting into the game and uh, just just being amazed at 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 Barney and all the interactions that like with the AI. Um, yeah,
0: that's pretty much it. Okay, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. In fact, uh, listeners who are also readers of Planet Philip will probably uh, know know you better than Stenchy because of Union, which is one of the all-time great releases. So, tell us more.
3: Oh thank you very much um yeah my name's Matt uh, also by the name go also go by the name of Crowbar um and I basically do um mapping um and a little bit of writing as well. I'm studying game design story development in london um and yeah, I've been mapping for about well i mean since the early days of half life one so what's that like about ten years now um, yeah ten years this month actually is it this month well
1: yeah, be that's why they that's why they said they push back Left 4 Dead so that they can coincide with that Half Life anniversary.
3: It would be nice to have Episode Three this month, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, for sure.
1: I think we're going to hear some news, though. You know, after the uh, Left 4 Dead release, maybe a week later.
3: Yeah, it's likely. I think you know. I think they're probably going to try and get this out of the way first, and then maybe we'll hear something about that.
0: I certainly hope so. In fact, next week, which we'll be talking about it then, is the fourth anniversary of Half-Life 2 as well. Exactly the 16th. was It was released 2004.
1: They seem to release a lot of stuff in November. November is kind of, uh, you know, the Half-Life month. You know, I, I dub it now my new favourite month. What was what was your old favourite month then? Oh, well, I guess I didn't really have one. Let's say May, because that's where my birthday is. Okay, that
0: probably means then that uh, episode three will be next November. Ooh, that's not a good thought. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I believe it too. It's it's it sounds right to be honest. Yeah, uh, uh, it seems. But you know, another year. I'm sure they'll they'll take their time because they want it to be the best. So that's fine. I'd rather wait five years and have the best game that they can create than uh, an episode every eighteen months. Well. I, it makes me wonder what else they have up their sleeve, because do you think they're just going to
2: F- offer up Episode 3 by itself, or kind of package it into another Orange Box type of
3: deal? It's kind of like they have to top the Orange Box, really, isn't it? I wouldn't be surprised if um, maybe they bundled it with uh, Portal 2, perhaps, or something like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's kind of expected now, even, you know?
0: Yeah, it's true. Once, you, once, you released, once they release the Orange Box uh they had a you know a lot of trouble sorry they're going to have a lot of trouble better in that but i think if they release some kind of pack where all three episodes are joined together and it flows then a lot of people are going to be quite happy with that
1: i can see them doing that because I'm, i mean left for dead has taken up so much of their time i can't see them uh coming out in say a couple of weeks and saying You know, we have this secret project that we've been working on, too, alongside of Left 4 Dead, alongside of Episode 3. I think they're just going to be releasing Episode 3 and in a pack. That's that's probably the most feasible situation for them business-wise.
0: Well, there's also this game called The Cross Player that they've been working on. Or or perhaps I've misunderstood the amount of involvement they have. Perhaps that would come out at the same time, too.
1: I've never heard of Crossplayer. I mean, I just googled it now, but oh
0: yeah, they haven't. They haven't said much
2: about that. Like, I mean, that's kind of gone dark for a long time now. But is Valve actually does? Do they have any part in that, or is that just because I remember it's it's being developed by uh, some French studio, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Arcane. Oh. I was under the impression that they'd taken it over, uh, and they were at least heavily involved, if not totally involved. So a
2: similar situation to Left 4 Dead where the, I mean they had Team Turtle Rock and then that was kind of absorbed into Valve.
1: Well, that even happened with Portals too, right? Portals was originally just an undergraduate project or you know a, a graduate project. And then Valve pretty much took it over as well.
0: Yeah, and it's good that they did because otherwise it might not have reached its full potential. I mean, normally I'm against other companies taking over companies just because they see a really good gameplay mechanic. But in this case... Um, with Portal, I'm really glad they did.
2: Portal was different in that it was an independent, uh, you know, a student project, and they weren't actually going to make a game called Portal um, that was, you know, that had the story that uh, Portal has until they were actually taken on and hired by Valve. They just liked the game mechanic, and then they and they kind of developed it from there. Turtle Rock was actually a d- professional game studio that was making Left 4 Dead, uh, you know, with or without Valve, for better or for worse but it just kind of worked out that it it was a beneficial situation for Valve to acquire them. And, I mean,
1: they've already done stuff with Turtle Rock in the past, so it's not like it's been foreign territory. They did uh, Condition Zero with Turtle Turtle Rock Studios. So, it's all there. So we're going to move on to uh, podcast news just real quick. I mean, last week we kind of said that we were going to have some more links for you guys up on the site, and unfortunately we weren't able to do that. As you probably know already, the podcast was already late of releasing, uh, mainly because our producer got a whole bunch of new uh, hardware, Nick. He finally has his new graphics card so he can play some games with us. Um, So he had to get that all set up before we can get to editing the podcast and doing the timestamps. So we apologize for that. But that's about all we have for podcast news. Hopefully this week... We'll be able to get the forums up. Uh, Philip has been working on getting the forums together and also an FAQ so you guys can figure out how to listen live. That would be very cool.
0: Yeah, basically the forum's live, but we just haven't been able to integrate the new menu that we were hoping to get working to link to it. But literally, if you want to visit, you can go to podcast17.com forward slash forum, and it's live, and you can post feedback, ideas. We also have the transmission agendas on there, but you can only read them. You can't add anything to them at the moment. But maybe we'll think about that because that would be the perfect place to make suggestions and things.
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, You know, we always try to open it up to the listeners. And uh, last week we talked about the Far Crab demo. I believe I said it was a Half-Life 2 demo, and I apologize for that. It is actually Half-Life 1, and I was kind of knocking it because it looked a little bit uh, cheesy, because I thought it was for Half-Life 2. However, it is for Half-Life 1, and I've played it, and it does have some beautiful map design. It is just a demo, so it does have some bugs, but uh, it reminds me of a very professional Creed's map. It almost feels like that. Uh, it looks extremely promising. Unfortunately, it's in French, so if you don't have any French background, you're probably going to have a tough time following the plot line, and uh, unfortunately, it's all text as well, and lots of text. You think Minerva was a lot of text, you should try this out. Um, there's going to be a lot of reading, and like I said, it's in French. So,
0: Well, let's Talk just hope minute. that they go to one of the... Um people that can translate because there's a a company that does game translations in fact uh, adam foster used them for minerva i can't remember then oh loke works or loco works i think off the top of my head they translate game mod mods and stuff
1: right then like i said this is just a demo so whether or not there's going to be text in the final is i guess up in the air so to speak but uh, i'm sure there'll add vocals later but it looks extremely promising very nice uh, map design
0: Okay, so William, there must be lots and lots to talk about for Left 4 Dead. And since I know that you've been playing the demo, go ahead, tell us what you know. Oh God, my whole week was pretty much bundled with Left 4 Dead. And of course, it is
1: kind of our top story this episode in terms of uh, Half-Life news and our Left 4 Dead dig. Uh, the demo has been released for those who pre-ordered. Stenchy and Ryan, or Matt and Ryan, have you guys played this? You guys been playing this a lot?
2: Uh, yeah, I've been digging into it lately. Uh, I had a pretty late night la- last night. I know, Philip, uh, after I talked to you last night, uh, I was supposed to go to bed, but I ended up staying up for a few hours and uh, did something interesting. I actually uh, you know, did played with some of the uh, server commands in the demo, and I set up my own dedicated server and
3: uh, tried out playing the Infected. I managed to have a go um about a week and a half ago at the Eurogamer Expo which had like all the all the new games so that was fun that was good got to play it with some complete strangers but it was a lot of fun was that at Leipzig because I know they had a playable demo at Leipzig Oh no this was in London Oh cool cool
1: yeah I, they were doing a huge uh tour of Europe and having tons of playables at in Europe conferences but not here in North America It's a little bit depressing But I guess, uh, you know, the European conferences are a little bit later, and I guess they were ready then, and they weren't ready earlier, so whatever. But um, Stenchia actually brings up uh, a really good point that's kind of the main news topic right now. You can check it out at Left 4 Dead 411, or at least the Steam Power forums, is how to play the infected. There are tons of server commands that allow you to do that. If you have the demo, it's insanely fun to do. Um, will the post the link will be up on the podcast show notes, and you can check it out. It's extremely simple. You can play around with some of the infected stuff. I haven't been able to play too much of that, but because my account got hijacked. But uh, Stenchy, tell us a little bit about it. How does that play out? Does it feel okay, even if even the even though they didn't open it up in the demo?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, it's very much there, and it's very much functional. um... I mean, there's a lo- there's a few things that you can do. You can actually like you know control uh, you know panic events and you can spawn them in whenever you want. So make that big horde of zombies that rushes the, the, you know the huge mob that rushes you and you have to fend them off. Um, as well as spawning as you know the tank, the smoker, the hunter, and what's the other guy? The boomer. And even you know spawning witches. You can't spawn. You can't play as witches, but you can spawn them in. But uh, yeah, I mean. When I was playing The Infected and running the server, I, I would you know spawn in a mob and then and and then come in as a hunter and, and try and take down people, but I could have been relentless and just like spawned endless waves and just kept on coming in as a hunter and hunting down people, but I kind of took it from an aspect of you know kind of relating it as um, being like a dungeon master in D and D. I don't play D and D, but I, it's incredibly geeky. But you know just kind of shaping the experience for people. Who found even the expert settings just really too easy. I had a couple of friends the other day that just kinda ran through expert in about four minutes and they just kind of sprinted through the level and just shot at whatever came at them. So I, I think the AI in the game needs a little bit of tweaking, but I when the full game comes out, I think it would be beneficial if they made something like this where, you know, you have a human player can kind of control controlling the pacing and the whole flow of the game it was very interesting, it was very satisfying to do it too. So,
3: as, as it stands then, can you only uh, spawn the infected if you use console commands, or is it part of the actual game? No, you
2: actually have to use the console commands.
1: There are some really interesting cheats, though, that you can do too. Not only can you spawn as the infected, you can spawn, as Stenshi was saying, uh, other mobs. And, uh, I mean, Nick and I were playing around, you just no-clip through, and you spawn up to 2,000 zombies, and then you just rush them all towards you, and it looks really cool. You put them in strategic locations, and they cross over fences and stuff. It's fun. It's extremely fun. And uh, m- my cousin was playing. I-, I have an interesting story, and I wanted to share it with all the listeners out there. My cousin was playing for the first time, and uh, we only played the campaign on Expert, and we beat it through Expert, and he said, that's it? you know, like, it only took us, like like Stitch said, uh, like 15 minutes maybe, and we killed everything. So he said, is that it? But that's not what the demo's about. The demo's about playing it after the first time, because it's completely random from there on in. So we played it, and we kept playing it, and it becomes addictive, extremely addictive, tons of replayability, and then he finally said, oh, this isn't it, this goes on forever. So if, if you're really on the fence about getting the demo, or even buying the game, just keep in mind, um, it is a limited map set but the way they have the game structured it's different every single time you play and that's what makes Left 4 Dead so great in my opinion.
2: Yeah, absolutely I mean, I, I can see like a lot of people I've played the, through the demo a lot and beating an expert multiple times and uh, you know, I think I don't know if this demo if they'll tune the difficulty levels and maybe maybe make it a little bit harder but um I don't know, I found a lot of people were kind of finding expert a little bit too easy. And when I was controlling the infected and they came, they're like, this is so awesome, it's, it's you know so hard, and, and it's way more intense. Because people would spawn on the rooftop of the first level, and I'd just do a rush right away. So they'd just grab their weapons, and already zombies would be like pounding through the door.
1: <laughs> I, I really wish I could have more time with the infected. Uh, you're making me jealous here. It was great. I loved it. Another thing, real quick, on the Left 4 Dead news dig though, uh, is the first custom Left 4 Dead map. I didn't play. I haven't played this yet, and uh, I don't even know whether or not it's good or not. Uh, it's called House Alpha One, and it's commented as it should work. You put it in your Left 4 Dead maps directory, and it should just work out. Normally, uh, I believe you have to use the map command. Stenchy, did you play that? have you played around with this?
2: No, I haven't, but I mean, from the videos that I've seen, I've seen, like, you know, every, like, like, on uh, Left 4 Dead 411, you know, D-Dust being put in there, and apparently there's no editing whatsoever, you just stuck it into the maps folder, it's a regular BSP, not edited, and uh, the AI director pretty much takes it from there.
1: Which is also great, because you can essentially have one person, if, if you do want to play, say, an a Counter-Strike map, you can essentially have one person no clip around, and uh, spawn mon- spawn zombies and have three other people essentially fight through them. And I think that's really cool, how dynamic the whole game is. It almost seems like we'll be able to play Half-Life 2 in a zombie apocalypse universe. I can't wait to see something like that.
2: Yeah, that'll
0: be pretty crazy. So that's about it. Philip, are you going to get this game yet? Come on. I don't know. I want I, I want to play the demo, but of course I just have to wait another couple of days. Uh, I'll see. Basically, I don't really enjoy playing with other people because finding time when other people are are online is really difficult for me, and I like to play at my own speed, so I don't really like playing co-op games. Definitely don't like MP games, as listeners will know. So when the demo comes out, I'll try the single player, and uh, I'll certainly be open-minded because I have a huge respect for everything Valve do, so I'll try it, but to be honest, uh, I mean, I saw the... Uh, the movie and the movie was fantastic, but I don't really like playing against zombies. Zombies bore me, to be honest. These zombies won't bore you, they're fast zombies.
2: Yeah, you know, if I can make an argument, Philip, you say you're a single player, uh, you know, you're a single player mod player, game player, but um, this game, it feels like it feels like being in a in a zombie movie like the the narrative even though it, like it it's very loose it, it feels very strongly in the atmosphere of the game it it kind of makes it feel like a single player game um in that you're you're kind of working your way through these levels and even though it's co-op i, I don't know how to explain it but you know it, it just it just feels more like a single player game than than a multiplayer game to me
0: Traditionally, okay. it's not—it's
2: well, not that competitive factor. You know, you're working with people. I mean, in, even if you're playing by yourself, you're working with bots, and it, and it still has that that feel of narrative that's in in single player games, and that, like there's a goal that you're working to to get to the end.
0: Sure. Well, as I said, I'll give it a try. But as we discussed earlier today, I really—I didn't quite enjoy the the parts of Half Life Two where there was the squad to control so i don't know whether you actually have a chance to control the squad but i don't enjoy that and to be honest i don't enjoy zombie movies i'm not criticizing the game itself i'm just saying that as a concept this is not something that particularly interests me i prefer more space science fiction exploration puzzles than actual just you know this type of game but i promise when the demo comes i'll try yeah that's fair enough
1: yeah, I'm gonna make a point to stay up at like 3 a.m. one night. I don't care what day it is, so that you can play with me, Nick, and say somebody else. Maybe, maybe Stegy or Crowbar or
0: Scott can get up on this.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll join in on that.
0: I'm <laughs> yeah. sure there are lots of people that would uh, like to see me. And another problem is that uh, I'm such a bad player, so you'll be like always behind, or we'll always die. It'll be oh crap, Philip's dead again. But doesn't it adapt? Ah uh, no,
3: you'll learn. You'll uh, learn fast. Your skill level, I think so.
1: Yeah, that too. It does adapt to your skill level a little bit. But, I mean, the game is all about the weakest link, I I have to admit it. And if you are going to be the weakest link, you will hold up the other group, I'm not going to lie. But the whole game is about cooperation, and if you do have a weakest link, it kind of makes the game a little bit more enjoyable. I got my boss playing this game, and I was walking him through on easy, because he's not much of a gamer, and walking him through and protecting him, and making sure he didn't die, and, you know teaching him the different types of zombies, was uh, insanely more enjoyable than playing on an
3: expert with my veteran FPS friends. There is well. definitely something to be said for the kind of um, assistance roles. I mean, I recently, I haven't really played it much, but I recently started playing Team Fortress 2, and I found that the class I enjoyed the most was the medic, um, just because I felt like a much more valuable member of the team if I was the one that was making sure nobody else died, rather than just another person that was blowing everyone's head off. Yeah, that's my
1: class too, by the way.
0: I mean, I'm going to put my heart on my sleeve here a little bit and and give you something very quickly. I'm a single child. I'm an only child. The only sports I play are sports against one other person. I don't play any team sports. The kind of things I enjoy doing in my time, walking up mountains, running, they're on my own. So I think my mentality is based much more around that than a group or team aspect.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, your your personality reflects what kind of games you play. I'm an only child, too, so I know, I know exactly where you're coming from. That's about all we can say about Left 4 Dead for now. It's just a demo. Um, I don't want to get too excited, because the game's going to be coming out soon. We'll have lots to talk about then, but I seriously think this game is going to change my life. I'm just going to leave it at that in my comment.
2: Well, I mean, not only that, I think it really appeals to a lot of the, the uh, people that play mods for Half-Life 2, because, I mean especially on moddb you can just type in the word zombie and see how many mods come up there's countless number of them and this is basically the the quintessential game for all those zombie fans
0: one of the questions I was going to ask you guys was about replayability of this game, and I know that you've only played the demo, and I know that already you've said, you know, oh, there's got a lot of replayability, but one of the things about Portal is that Portal really seems to have died. I mean, I don't hear anything about Portal. Okay, we had Portal Prelude not too long ago, but I just wonder if the, the basic mechanics of this game, moving and shooting just zombies, will be enough to keep people interested for five years, or ten years, like it is with Half-Life. I, I, am, I, am I wrong? I think I think it'll be much
1: like... I, I hate to always compare things to Sven Co-op, but I think it'll be much like the Sven Co-op community. Um, you have a community dedicated to adding new content, and this game will all always be about new content. I mean, the director is great, the AI director is great, and the gameplay director is great, in the sense where it's always random, but it's random to a a certain extent, right? I mean, you have zombies in different locations, and you have guns in different locations. That's what it barrels down to. Um, What will really drive this game is how many people are creating new maps for it, and how many new campaigns are added, you know, every month, and that sort of thing, or
3: else it'll just totally lose interest. I think it may end up being stronger than something like Portal, because if you look at Portal, it's it's quite out there as a design. Um, it's completely different from anything else. Maybe that puts people off mapping for it and that kind of thing, because you need to learn a whole different style of level design to do that, whereas Left 4 Dead it's not too different from many things we've seen before. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Yeah, and the AI director basically does half of the work for you. I mean, you just make the map, and that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, that was that was one of the questions I had um, when I was playing through the game when you're developing maps then for left for dead do you place zombies in terms of uh, like how you normally would in say a single player campaign or does the director just figure out where it goes by itself or do you kind of set the zone
2: well
3: I, I guess mean you set a the way it, or something like that.
2: well the way it worked in like the you know when he imported the D dust level whoever did it um, he didn't edit it at all he didn't place any markers or anything like that he just Went with the just dropped the level in there, and the AI director figured everything out.
1: So it put zombies in by itself?
2: That's correct.
1: Whoa, okay, that's, that's intense. Impressive. Yeah, that's really impressive. Definitely.
0: That's very impressive.
1: So I think that pretty much answers your question right there, Philip, because now people can take what they've worked on in different mods um, and just pretty much drag and drop maps from, say, Insurgency, or, say, um, I don't know, maybe Crowbar Scott can take his Union campaign and uh, throw it in Left 4 Dead and see what it would look like with zombies. So that's infinite replayability right there.
3: How long do you think it'll be before we see Half-Life 2
0: in Left 4 Dead?
1: Yeah, exactly. I can't wait.
0: It won't be long. (laughs) <laughs> well, they did it with the portal gun, didn't they? How long was it after Portal res- was released? Like three or four days, and then suddenly it was available in Half-Life 2? Oh, man. Portal levels with zombies in them.
2: <laughs> oh, <Holy laughs>
1: cross. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine the zombies going through portals.
1: That would just mess up with your mind. <laughs> But on to the segue now, Um, we're talking about zombies, and of course, you know, we've mentioned this mod before on a couple episodes past, and I really enjoy this mod, I don't care what you guys say, but OMFG OMFG Zombies LOL uh, released a new update, which includes a new map and uh, some new objectives on the Overwatch map, if you guys play this. I just gotta say, um, if you haven't played this, give it a shot. Uh it's fun. It's really fun. It's it's almost like Left 4 Dead to be honest. You're just with a couple of friends and you're beating the crap out of zombies until one of you die. That's really what it's about. Um and it's just numbing violence. That's why I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. But there is an update out there. I don't know if anybody else has played it. It's it's all over Mod DB.
2: Yeah, it's it's up in the headlines of Mod DB, but um no, I haven't actually given it a try. Is it really that good?
1: Well, I mean, it's really I mean, basic. In my opinion, the most basic mods are the it's, are sometimes the most enjoyable, to be honest. And uh, it's it's nothing to you know, it's nothing to get crazy over. It's no new uh, engine or no new features or anything. But I mean, it's just so simple that anybody can do it, and you can just waste say 20 minutes playing it.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's got some nifty features that I, uh, some other zombie mods like Zombie Panic or Zombie Master have. Like, I'm surprised they haven't worked to include it. Like, you know, making barricades and stuff like that. That seemed pretty cool to me.
1: Yeah, they got some interesting zombies too. It is a parody. It is a parody mod. I mean, there's the ghost zombie, and every time it hits you, there's a huge voice overlay that says "zombie ghost." It's just hilarious. It's so funny. It's a funny game. <laughs> Clearly not a serious title. Um, moving right along, though, the Combine Force uh, Citadel City Seventeen released uh, an updated demo on November the second. You can check it out. I didn't get a chance to play this um, because, like my, like I said, my Steam account is gone. But uh, it includes uh, some new blood, HDR lighting, and uh, of course a new map. So, are you guys looking forward to the uh, the Combine Force Citadel City Seventeen? I mean, Philip, have you got your eyes on this?
0: Absolutely not. Uh, um, I have huge respect for anybody who makes a map and releases it, but this is terrible. Uh, he m- uh, mismatches uh, textures. There's The jump between types of environment is very bad. Suddenly, there are people appearing. Now, I know that you know this is still in beta, but he hasn't taken anything on board from the first set of comments and adapted it. All he's done is made some simple changes, and it's really, I'm sorry to say, it's really not very good. I would advise people not to waste their time at this moment.
1: So do you know any of the history behind this mod? Do you know any of the story or anything?
0: It's just, uh, I say just, I don't mean to sound disrespectful. It's a 15-year-old from Denmark who clearly has some technical ability, but he has... He doesn't have the ability at the moment to see things in a bigger picture. And he seems to literally be saying, "Okay, well, that texture looks good on that wall, and I'll maybe put a door here, and this will lead into another thing. And, oh, maybe I could do a bridge there. And, oh, there'll be a big drop here. And, oh, there's a bright light there. And he needs somebody to take him under his wing and say, look, you need to think in a bigger picture. And when people give you feedback, you need to listen to it and understand what they're saying. And I don't think he's done that with his second release. And
1: we might be discussing... We might be discussing some of those things that you're talking about a little bit later, you and Stenchy, with our discussion, so stay tuned for more information about that.
0: Matt, Matt, have you played this?
3: Yeah, I did. I played it yesterday. I'm going to have to agree with you, um, Philip, on that one. Um, I did find it pretty dull. Um, It was extremely linear. Not that linearity is a bad thing, but it wasn't really disguised very well. It was literally just you go from one room to the next, and then to the next, and then to the next. Um... And also I was gonna ask you guys, is it me or were some of the levels just taken straight out of Half-Life 2, some of the exterior levels in the street and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, it could have been. On the second on the second part on the second map, sorry, that he released, that looked very strangely like a, a real Half-Life map that he might have just copied. I don't know. But the one thing he did do, he combined Metro Cops into zombies. Uh and that was quite I I thought, oh, that's quite nice. And he's got new weapons in there but I don't see the need for new weapons I mean, I'm, a, I'm the kind of player that says okay, if I've got a new weapon I want to know where I got it and why I got it because I'm used to having these weapons from Half-Life 2 but of course it's early days yet so perhaps I'm being a little unfair uh, I, I didn't actually manage to get that far I have to say and I th- You get the new weapons right at the beginning uh, Maybe i played play different version
3: then I'm not sure
0: Maybe you played the first one. I don't know whether the first one comes with... Uh, no, you played the second one, because if you said about the outside outdoor environments, then it's the second one you played. Okay, in that case, uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe I missed the weapon.
1: Well, regardless, I mean, uh, clearly there's some... You guys have some comments on that. Um, maybe I won't play it in the end. Maybe I'll just wait for it to actually come out. But I like to keep an eye out on uh, emerging single-player things. Uh, just to, I'm assuming you do too, Phil.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if the author is listening, please uh, don't take my comments too negatively. We really do want to encourage people, but you really must think about the whole project and you must listen to the feedback because if you don't, then there's no point releasing a beta. But keep mapping.
1: And of course, uh, last week we were talking about envelopers, um, uh, like nmoddb, both really great sites on meeting people and reading tutorials and asking for feedback. So you know, that's the best, the best resource available to you are other people. So take advantage of it. To,
3: I have to stress that feedback is really one of the most important, if not the most important thing, with like mapping and that kind of stuff. It's just you you find out exactly how people react to your mod, um, and by doing that you can you know you can work out exactly what you need to do, and you can just improve it in all the ways that will make people enjoy it. It's definitely absolutely critical.
1: Um, we have news of, uh, the Steam Cloud, and this is something that I've been looking forward to ever since Steam was released. I've been waiting for something like this, and if you don't know what the Steam Cloud is, it was, uh, shipped with the Left 4 Dead demo, so you'll be seeing it kind of popping up in your games, say in Half-Life 2 and for Left 4 Dead, and, uh, mainly TF2, it'd be great for TF2. What it does is it stores all your information. It'll store all your controls, it'll store all your configurations, your multiplayer settings, your spray paint images, um, and possibly, even further down the line, saved games. So if you do install Steam on another computer, you can take all that information with you without throwing it on, say, a jump drive, or uh, transferring it through your email, or reconfiguring all your controls like a million times. I don't know how many times I've gone through controls um, just because I've reinstalled Half-Life 2. Um, this is definitely needed in my opinion and it's gonna be great Uh, so just keep your eye out on that and be conscious that the steam cloud is up out there and say yes if you see it say yes I want to save save my stuff to the cloud
3: because it'll say make your life extremely easier does it cross over to other steam games like say if I update my controls for half-life 2 will it update that to episode 1 See, I don't know about that. Um,
1: you know, it almost seems like now that kind of happens a little bit, uh, but not. it's like on and off. I remember back in the day with Half-Life, if you installed a Half-Life mod, the Half-Life mod would just inherit your Half-Life controls, unless there was a settings file that was packaged with the Half-Life mod, and say the developer had their own control scheme set up in there. So I don't know if they're going to have cross-connect. They haven't mentioned anything like that yet. Uh, but it it's, only, it's an only natural progression, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. I mean, this is the sort of thing that, uh, you know, stuff on the consoles like Xbox Live and, and PSN has been kind of working towards. So it's nice that Steam's kind of integrated this before any of them.
0: I love the idea of the whole thing. Um, I'm not sure how useful it will be for me, and possibly for many people, because I only use uh, the game on one computer. But I'm definitely looking forward to the shared games. Uh, sorry, the saved games. But what I really hope that they can do is actually allow you to share things like this. I mean, I have a section on Planet Philip, which is called um, Save City, which is a place for people to share saved games for Half-Life 1 and Episode 1 and stuff. Because sometimes you maybe get stuck or you want to play at a harder level or something. And if you could save the games and then share them with other Steam friends, that would be cool. Yeah, for sure. Or sometimes you format
2: and then you lose all your saved games.
1: You know, yeah, I never back up my stuff. I always forget. Uh, us as gamers are usually forgetful people. Um, Earth Special Forces released a video of their FX editor. We talked about this last week. Uh, uh, PK didn't want to talk about Dragon Ball Z mods, but I just found it interesting that ESF created their own special effects editor so that players can go ahead and create their own things. It's like a mod within a mod, so to speak. Um, I kind of wanted to get Stenchy's opinion on this, or even Crowbar Ska's opinion. What do you guys think about mods within a mod, and have you looked at the uh, videos of the potential particle effects editor?
3: I think it's a nice idea. I mean, it's always fun to allow people to play around and do what they want. Um, I can't say it particularly interests me, because I'm not really interested in Dragon Ball Z, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's good to be creative, I guess.
2: I think what really gets me is like uh, all these mods still in development for Half-Life 1. I always get Earth Special Horses now mixed up with this uh, new upcoming mod that's based on Naruto, which I'm not a big fan of. But uh, the mod itself looks very impress- impressive, uh, you know, what they're doing in uh, technical capacity. But, um, yeah, mods on mods based on mods, I mean, you see it with commercial games. I mean, mod that have gone commercial, and then making mods for that, like Red Orchestra. And there's even been like other multiplayer mods, like uh, for Company of Heroes, there was Europe and Ruins, and they had like a mod based off of that. So it happens all the time. And I mean, I think it just you know signals the strength of the community for that mod when you actually have other mods based on it.
1: All right. So yeah, pretty much the consensus of last week. It's, it's really a great push, I think. ESF uh, doing an incredible job. Uh, Two other mods that I have my eye on right now, I always like to throw in a couple mods that interest me over the week. Whether or not they just posted some screenshots and brought the mod to my attention, so to speak. But uh, there's these two mods that look really good, in my opinion, uh, that are up and coming, so to speak. And uh, the first one is called Mortwood Plaza, and the second one is called the Mentality mod. And I don't know if you guys have heard of any of these mods or anything, but there is an alpha demo for uh, Mentality. Um, they're both kind of what I can tell it's scary kind of horror not necessarily zombies or ghosts or anything but just your general scary mod it seems to be that it seems to me that's kind of the drive right now uh, have you guys looked at any of
3: these okay I was just gonna say uh, I found my mentality actually really scary uh, It reminded me of uh, Silent hill and a little bit of uh, condemned and that kind of thing it was very good and uh, maybe that's because it was uh, so difficult I found it pretty hard and that scared me a little bit
0: I was going to say I downloaded it but and then uh, installed it, but haven't got around to playing it. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to sound like a girl now. But I don't really like scary mods, S-s-s- probably because I scare easy, but also because I-, I like a different kind of gameplay, that's all.
2: Yeah, I think mentality was kind of edged out of our recent mod countdown for the top 10 spookiest mods. But uh, a lot of people um, put in a few votes for it, uh, saying it was really scary. I haven't actually tried it out myself. But,
1: uh, it's it's on my list. And this part Plaza 2 looks a little bit nice. Uh, It's still really early in development, in my opinion. But uh, there's some really interesting things they're doing, and it looks very professional, too. You can tell they have a direct goal, and they have something they're working towards, and they don't want to give too much away yet, which is always nice. I don't want to know everything about the mod before I play it. I want to know everything about it after I play it. Um, I love it when mods kind of keep some of their goals in mind hidden
3: I think I'm going to have to raise a criticism with this mod though um, because it it reminds me of so many other mods where I mean all they've really got to show at the moment is a dozen weapons and I I don't really see the point in that Um, I don't know why people kind of just want to show off I don't know do they just want to show off how many weapons they can make Um, I'd like to see more mods just kind of maybe pick one or two weapons and make them unique and make them actually add something different to the gameplay and this is just tons of variations on the crowbar and uh, like some new guns.
2: Yeah I mean this kind of brings up another question I I don't know if you guys want to kind of go off into a tangent here but um, I mean media releases with mods like how what's the appropriate time do you think for a mod to actually release a whole bunch of screenshots and kind of go public with what it's doing? A lot of people want to get out there as soon as possible, and make the website first, and kind of get all the meat, like all their weapon renders out there, even if they aren't skinned yet. You know, it's like, oh, look, our unskinned AK-47 or, or something like that. But um, I, I personally think it's it's more beneficial for a mod to hold back until it's you know kind of halfway done or or almost done, so that people are are really wowed with the first media release and saying, like, whoa, this totally came out of nowhere.
3: I agree with that actually. I mean it is good to get feedback but I think something like um, maybe just posting on the forums or something like that is um, more appropriate more appropriate for just getting feedback on say like a model or something like that. I think if you're gonna try and publicize your mod then you need to have something you know more substantial to show.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I almost think that people should be 50% finished before they even think about showing anything and then literally have a release date in mind. Of course, it can't be concrete and then have a planned schedule of media release and not just media release, but, you know, little, you know, little clues about what's happening or, you know, and this is what we talked about last week about having somebody specialist in PR and public relations and team management that can do those things rather than just the guy who can, you know model or map and he just puts an image up of like three walls this is what I've done so far I understand they wanna you know show their work but they really need to hold back most of the time
1: well it's kind of an art too, right? you don't want to release things uh, in too little of increments because then you won't make front pages of certain sites because if you're just showing off one model that's not enough to get attention. But if you show off many models, that's probably enough to get attention, or if you have a lot of maps and a lot of gameplay demos. But you don't want to wait too long, because then people start forgetting about you. So you have to find that little in-between area, and I think that's what PR guys are great at, and that's where the art comes in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a mod that I haven't paid any or much attention to called Grey Shots, and they've taken a, a really clever idea in that they've set up a number of different blogs. And the people, the characters in the game are supposed to be blogging on these blogs. And, you know, they have really trying to do it from a very professional point of view. Sounds very interesting.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up Greyshot because they've kind of done, like, video casts and stuff like that. I think, I personally think, I mean, they've they've come a long ways in terms of development. But I personally think that they're putting almost too much effort into that PR aspect and not enough into the development, I mean, because all that time it takes to create all that extra content to develop the story in the world um, kind of takes away from developing the actual mod when they can be like, you know, hunkering down and and working on making the actual mod instead of, you know, working on hyping it up every week.
0: True, but that should be the job of the PR guy who sh- should be doing all those things and not the job of the mappers and the modelers they should be as you say hunkering down and getting on with the work and he should be taking what they've done and manipulating it in a way that gives them maximum exposure
1: yeah it should really be a one-way street in that sense the mappers talk to the pr guy the pr guy doesn't talk to the mappers or vice or or, or any of the designers so to speak
2: yeah, but a lot of the time then they, they start working into PR initiatives and then they start getting the mappers developing assets that are directly related into those initiatives and, and it just kinda gets messy from there. That's that's in my experience, that's the way I've seen things go. Um
1: one thing I wanted to talk about though is uh Project Resident Evil again. We've play we've talked about this and I started off um this mod is actually kinda nice to talk about because the very first episode of Podcast Seventeen this mod was announced. So as we progress through our podcast, this mod progresses as well. So it's interesting to see because now they've released um, a sort of Resident Evil loading transition test map. And here I was downloading this thinking it was just going to be a map showing off um, the classic go up to a door in Resident Evil, hit your use key, and then the uh, door animation happens. You see the cut screen of the door opening, but it's a little bit more than that. There's kind of a whole puzzle-ish atmosphere to the test map that you can play through, too. So it is interesting. I mean, only coming from two weeks of this mod, and we're already seeing some pretty cool stuff like this, and uh, some pretty nice screenshots, too. So I kind of have high hopes for this mod. They're clearly making an effort. Did you guys play the test map?
0: No, I didn't. Um... I don't know, I, I must have missed this, but uh, if you say that it's more than just opening a door, then I'll have a look.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 a lot better than some of the things you see on Planet Philip, though, too, so...
0: Okay, <laughs> fair enough.
3: <laughs> I have to say, I thought the, um, the door thing was a bit pointless, actually, if you ask me. Um, it's kind of... I can understand, obviously, they had to do it in the original Resident Evil because of the hardware limitations, but... I don't really see any real need to do it now other than to kind of reiterate the fact that it's a Resident Evil game and just for the nos- nostalgia factor. Um, but for me, I, th- I think I'd find that a bit too jarring and just a bit unnecessary.
1: Right, so that's a good. That's actually a good point. When do you sacrifice nostalgia for um, you know, um, evolution or uh, advances in game development? I mean, another perfect example is Silent Hill. Silent Hill used the fog in the PS1 version, because they couldn't render very far, so they used the fog as an excuse. So, do you need to use the fog in all the previous versions of Silent Hill, seeing as now you can render uh, further distances? I mean, it's a good point.
2: Well, again, I think it comes down to, like, you know, design implementation and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, Matt's totally right in that uh, those transitions were, were due to hardware limitations and stuff like that and whether or not you're adding them in just for nostalgia factor you really have to think about the game like I mean if you're making a Resident Evil game you have to think what what makes Resident Evil Resident Evil it's not those door transitions it's it's just you know certain design decisions that they made and I mean just adding those doors in those door transition in doesn't make it feel like Resident Evil.
1: Yeah, I think those are really, really good points. It's just interesting to follow this mod because, like I said, it follows kind of the timeline of the podcast. That's why I like bringing it up. But uh, it's another perfect example of following a mod and seeing how dedicated somebody really is. Um, whether or not the transition map is needed or not, it's, it's, it's just a sign of them working towards something. And that's always good to see. I always like seeing people at least releasing something once a week um, on their profiles or on their site, just saying that, hey, we're still alive, we're really kicking, we care about this, so we're going to work on it, we're going to try to have everything, something every week. That's what they seem to be doing. It's kind of a nice progression. But on to something a little bit more interesting. Um, Half-Life 2 Short Stories released a huge media release. Now, I haven't been following this mod, and I'm not too sure of the history behind it. I'll read a little bit of snippet here. Half-Life Short Stories encompasses two separate modifications, Paradigm, Decay, and A Human Error. Both projects are episodic-based, with an arc anticipated to span three episodes each. So, this mod seems like it's the conglomerate of two mod development groups. Um, I'm not quite sure, but the trailer looks great. There's some really cool things. It looks really fun to play. Does anybody have any information on this mod? I do. No, I mean...
3: Okay, yeah, I actually um, I just joined the team this week, which I'm sure some of the members don't even know yet. Um, But they were looking for people to kind of uh, uh, do like a detailed pass over the levels um, and make everything look nice. They've got all the gameplay down, all the level designers there, Um, the NPCs are implemented. It's, it's, I can say, it's very good. It's coming along nicely. Um, It's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I found short stories, uh, th- their forums, and I kind of bookmarked it, and it's kind of been one of the mods that I've kept an eye on, but uh, I'm always a big fan of, of these conglomerates or, or gatherings of developers that kind of get together and, and pool their resources in order to make mods, because, uh, you know, A, they develop faster, uh, generally, and uh B, it's just like higher quality, and and you're dealing with people that are more open to criticism, just because they're willing to group together and, and work together. Um, you have people that are more open to uh, improving their ideas, and uh, generally, they they more or less are more experienced than than other developers.
1: Maybe Philip can have something a little bit to say about this, but I remember Cube Dude released a map pack where he wanted to encourage a lot of people to add to it, a lot of different mappers, and it kind of fell short. Uh, Phil, do you have any information about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that wasn't just CubeDoop, that was uh, myself and CubeDoop. It was my idea, and Cube made the, the map and the transition room. That was a little bit different, because the whole idea of Hollow reality was to encourage mappers to make something that would become part of something greater. And in fact, one of the maps was made by Kasberg, who converted a DM map. And that was another kind of aspect, that we wanted to literally get 1,000 levels that had some kind of story together, but, you know, could be different environments. And I think the short stories is like a completely different thing here. I was under the impression that they were going to create five short stories... Uh, with either a, th- a central theme or perhaps a central character, perhaps things changed. Maybe when they joined with another group, I'm not sure. Do you know anything more about that, Matt?
3: Um well, basically, what it is at the moment, I think it's um, uh, short stories is the kind of overall project, and then you've got Human Error, is, which is what they released the uh, the video and the images from this week. Um, that's that's one of the stories. There's also uh, Paradigm Decay. Um, I may have got that wrong, I'm sorry if I did, um, which is another one that, um, I, I, as far as I know, the stories aren't exactly connected, apart from the fact they're in the Half-Life world.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like a package, like a book you would get, uh, like a book of short stories, almost, and they have nothing to do with each other, but they're all together. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah
0: i would love for them to have uh i don't know maybe they have but to have seemingly unconnected stories and then the final episode would be the you know some way of joining all those stories together that would be so cool even in a comedic
1: sense i love it when things come together in a comedic sense like that
0: yeah not necessarily in a in a funny way but just you know perhaps you see one character one different character in each each of the previous episodes and then in the last one all of those characters together and you know you understand what's happened or the reasons for what's happened in the previous episodes but of course that takes a lot of planning
2: happy to get three quality single player mods
1: exactly and getting along is almost like christmas (laughs) so it's good to see now this has been bothering me all day i'll be completely honest has anybody heard of Teddy Wars?
0: Not until I looked at the agenda and I looked on the the site, and I've got to say, I, I, I don't want to talk about this. It just seems t- <laughs> too silly for too silly for words. But maybe I'm just too old and serious.
2: It sounds well, like something what... that you know girls would have do a, a slumber party or something. Ah, slap yourself with a teddy bear.
1: Well, what I, well, the reason I bring it up is because it looks like Teddy Wars is a mod for Half-Life 2. I haven't played it, and I just looked at it today, so I could be completely wrong. So, maybe I'm wrong Mm -hmm. in every sense. But, uh, Teddy Wars is a mod for Half-Life 2, and they're using Half-Life 2 as what looks like their staging point for a full game. Um, so they're using the Half-Life 2 engine as a proof of concept, almost, so to speak. And I'm looking at the YouTube demo, and it's almost like a platformer of teddy bears going around shooting things almost like that uh the Gordon Freeman platformer
2: uh actually i i got to stop you there this is not a half-life 2 mod it's a face wound mod which is an indie game actually the guy who made Gary's mod made this game called face wound and it's a mod for that game so it's actually incorrectly labeled on mod db oh i see
0: thank so maybe thank goodness maybe. for that Maybe you can just get that part out. <laughs> it just means I'll never have to add it to Planet Philip now.
1: <laughs> Actually, I think the face wound version of this mod might be a of concept for the Half-Life 2 version. That's maybe where I got it mixed up. Oh, crap. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, okay, it looks like I won't be able to play this. But, I mean, it, it's... It looks stupid and it looks kind of funny though at the same time. Well, Face um, Wound is actually to
2: free to download. It's like a, it's a free little game, but uh so I mean you could play it if you wanted to.
1: So is Face Wound a 2D
2: side scroller game? Yeah, it's basically I don't I don't know if you made it before or after Gary's mod, but uh, it's just a little platformer. Basically, originally it was like this guy just shooting zombies and it's a 2D side scrolling platformer and you just get a bunch of weapons and you blow up a whole bunch of people.
1: Okay, so now I'm a little less impressed, because I thought they were creating a platformer in Half-Life 2. That's where the confusion came in. <laughs> okay, so disregard that. Teddy Wars is no longer bothering me today. <laughs> but um, I wanted to mention this. This is kind of be the last little bit of the uh, Half-Life news because we're kind of going a little bit long but I wanted to mention Cry of Fear because if you're an Afraid of Monsters fan or even a Rompel fan for that matter um, Cry of Fear should definitely be on your radar if you like Half-Life 1 horror mod series games um, this mod has really taken up a storm this week and is really picking up a lot of steam it looks like they're b- hunkering down on this one. Um, and Rompel, of course, is working on Cry of Fear, creator of Afraid of Monsters and uh, Afraid of Monsters Director's Cut. And it looks awesome. Um, nothing short of what you would expect. And I cannot wait to see this game. So if you haven't looked at it, check it out on the show notes. Because it looks it looks awesome. Mm, looks like I they're actually, looking for voice actors.
0: I might apply.
2: I actually have applied for voice acting as the crazy gas mask wearing doctor. I don't know if they're going to use me, but uh, I think I did a pretty good job.
0: So that too, if you're a voice actor out there, then go ahead and apply too. No, don't. I want to apply and I want to get the position. So all the positions are filled. If you're listening, they're filled. Don't worry. It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just feeling a little sensitive because Half-Life Short Stories didn't come back to me. So I'm feeling a bit sad about that.
2: No, but Cry of Fear actually looks really good. I mean, these guys, uh, I think, focus on the narrative in their mods more than a lot of people. So I'm really looking forward to what they come out with. And, I mean, from the p- preview videos that we've seen so far, it looks like it's going to be pretty high quality.
1: For sure. I just wanted to mention, in case there's some listeners out there who uh, haven't seen it yet, and now they know all about it. Because I think it is going to be coming out fairly soon. Once they get the voice acting talent, it almost looks like their maps are... Pretty me, much me, done. me, 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 me. <laughs> and they're just doing the finishing touches, in my opinion. But that's it for Half-Life News.
0: Okay, so today, as uh, everybody who's been listening so far knows that we have Ryan, a.k.a. Century from ModDB, and he's going to be our interview of the week. So to start with, tell us, Ryan, why is ModDB the best or the most popular website for mods out there? What is it that you have that other sites don't?
2: Well, ModDB is the biggest site for the simple fact that we cater for every game. I mean, any game that you think of, even if it's not listed on the site, you can add it to the site now and uh, list your mod for it. So, I mean, just I think the sheer breadth of the database is the reason why it is the biggest site and the most popular site for modding um, across all platforms.
0: Just just that? I, I, there must be more. It can't just be the size um, because I'm sure there were lots of other sites that that did lots of mods, but there must be something else. Come on, tell us the reason. We want to know. I want to steal the ideas.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we also have a really good community, and and I mean, well, part of the, the size of the database and uh, attracting all those people is so that we can cater and and get the message out to as many people as possible. So, I mean, really where the strength of ModDB comes in is as, a, you know, kind of a marketing and distribution platform for your mod. So you come to our site, and if, you know, you post the appropriate news and, uh, you know, upload your, your releases to there, then you'll get them on the front page. And even in the headlines, uh, if it's a major release, and, you know, do you do the proper news post for it. And that way you're, you're reaching thousands upon
0: thousands of viewers. One of the things I've noticed over the last... I don't know, maybe 18 months or a year, and perhaps this is one of the things you've implemented. Is that you're a little bit harder with some of the mods? If a mod hasn't been updated in a while, then it kind of gets archived, and instead of just appearing immediately on the site, it has to be approved. And I think those things are good because otherwise, a guy just makes a, you know, a, an MP5 or whatever the weapon's called, and sticks it on there, and you know, suddenly it's on there, and it's just a waste of time. Is that something that you initiated? Well, I mean, the approval process has been for
2: around for a while now. I mean, that was instituted before I actually came on board, but um, I think that what what I have done is focused on the higher quality news. Um, so you're seeing. I mean, it's, it's also like the maturation the maturation of the whole community is in general. I mean, they're all everybody's posting better, better quality renders and and more formatted news posts and stuff like that so I think overall the quality of content on the site has has reached a higher level you're you're no longer seeing like those grayscale renders on the front page anymore it's always like these polished media releases so I, I mean I think that helps a lot
0: okay um, and the future what does the future hold for ModDB I mean what plans do you have that you can tell us about anyway
2: um, well there's a lot of stuff that we have in the works. Unfortunately, I can't talk about a lot of it right now, but uh, some pretty big stuff. Um, you know, just basically, really the biggest uh, challenge with DB is kind of organizing all the content so that people that come to the site and are browsing for mods that they want to play, you know, they're spending as, as little... They're spending as little time as possible searching for what they want to play and and getting that to the, and downloading that to their hard drive. So we're working on a lot of things that's, that 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 kind of help with that. Uh, everything from feature content, to, you know, to stuff getting stuff up in the headlines and uh, highlighting all that quality content that on ModDB uh, and some other initiatives that I can't really talk about right now.
1: If you had to say one thing to all those mod developers out there who are listening, of course, and uh, if they wanted to get plugged on the front pa- page of mod dB, what could be the greatest suggestion you would give them in order to get their stuff chosen to be on the front page
2: um well, I mean, I've made posts about it and you know if you search on mod db it's not it's not readily apparent on there, but if you search on modDB for you just type in release coverage, you'll come up with a post that tells you exactly what you need to do and I mean it doesn't matter how small or how big your mod is if you just put together a nice post because really uh, we're just giving you the tools to promote promote your mod it really is up to you to developers out there to take that last step and, and really you know put the the polish into their profile and their posts so that people will download their mod but, um, I mean, if you just look at any of the posts that are in the headlines, there's a certain criteria that they all fit. You know, they all have media embedded in there, whether it's just images or video or both. And, you know, upload their down, their latest release to the pro, to their profile and having a link in that uh, media release post.
0: What happened to add-on DB? Because when that first came out, I was a little bit worried because you, uh, I thought that it was going to add a lot more maps and because it was a community-based thing that people would add hundreds and hundreds of maps and models. But maybe I, I haven't paid enough attention, or maybe I misunderstood, but it almost seems as though it filtered away or faded away, sorry. And that's a shame, because that was a, a really cool idea. What happened to that?
2: Yeah, well, add-on DB was something that Scott, who's the actual, you know, he's the coder behind the site. He's the owner of moddb.com. Um, he actually created add-on DB as a partner site. And, uh, you know, he found that it kind of fragmented the audience and um, with v, with version four he kinda rolled in add on DB into Mod DB so it's all just you know part of one site now. So you can actually upload add-ons to mod db and uh, that's where they all go. So it's still there. Um, you know, you can still upload, you know, specific maps and and uh, you know mutators and stuff like that that, that classify as add ons and uh, they'll just get attached to the appropriate game.
0: But it's all just rolled up into ModDB.com now. Okay, that's cool. What about uh, top sites? When's top sites coming back? Because Plan Philip's not on there, and I've been trying to get it on there for a while. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have been asking for top sites. It's really, uh,
2: it's really up to uh, Scott, and he's he's working uh, diligently on a lot of other features right now on the site. But uh, top sites is on his to-do list. Um, one of one of the major things that we're developing, I guess we can talk about this, is kind of like a media portal where we're going to actually. Have uh, have videos, just a a page just for videos that uh, all mod teams upload to their profiles. So you go to the media page and you'll just be able to see the latest videos that uh, have been uploaded to any mod profile on the site. So and uh, that way you'll be able to keep up to date on like all the latest video content. So that's something else that uh, Scott's encoding, uh, coding in before uh, top sites. But top sites will becoming to version 4 don't worry they're still there but they're just kind of broken right now
0: yeah you can you can't add add to them which is my my uh, desire at the moment but okay yeah. i mean i'm sure he's working very hard as is as is everybody behind the scenes and each person's got their own you know personal list of oh i want that and i want this so he's got to do what best for the he feels is best for the site which is fair enough
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, DB's come a long way, and we've implemented a lot of features. As a result, like, a lot of the older profiles are kind of missing downloads because we didn't implement downloads until, like, what, 2004 or 2005 or something like that. So a lot of the older mods don't have downloads or anything like that. So, I mean, another one of our problems is kind of getting all those old profiles up to date, and if they have downloads, getting them onto the profiles and stuff, um, just so that, you know, we have the most complete database possible. Just out of curiosity, how many people are staffed at ModDB? Um, well, we have, like, in terms of paid staff, there's maybe uh, four or five. uh, That's including, like, server admins and and back-end stuff. Um, And then we have a a small little army of volunteers numbering around ten or so.
1: But it's amazing how much content you can get out. I mean, it's such a great idea. I always liked ModDB. even during its original conception, I think user generated content. I mean, you guys did it even before Wikipedia did it essentially. You know what I mean? And that goes a long way. It's essentially the same idea.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's all about the, you know, the power of the community and just uh, putting it all together in one place, you can see the effect it has and in kind of like getting the message out to everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now, Ryan, and I I'm going to be negative in the hope that it generates something positive, my one problem with Mod DB is that it can stifle some of the smaller sites, the smaller sites that uh, present news or do other things. And I just I know that you're all for the community, and unlike other news sites that we won't mention, who are commercial and are there just to get traffic and money, it would be so nice if somehow. You know sites like Planet Philip, who is a competitor in many ways to Mod DB and Interlopers and some of the other sites. If we could work together, because you almost, I almost get the feeling that too many people go to ModDB and they don't visit the other sites as well. I don't know. I don't mean to sound too negative, but that's just my honest opinion.
2: Are you jealous of our our traffic? Is that what you're saying, Joe?
0: <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not jealous because I have a, a very niche market and I have many more mods than you do for my niche market um, but I'm just worried that, that there are we I just feel that there must be ways that we can work together to sort of promote everybody and even without wanting to you've become the big boy on the block the big blue for older listeners and through no effort of your own it has possibly a negative effect You're not trying to have a negative effect, but the fact that you're so big has one. Because here's a perfect example, I think. Every time that we link somewhere, we always link to ModDB now. And we don't link back to some of the original sites. You know, the home pages, we just link straight to ModDB. And I think, in that case, I think it's a bad thing. But don't get me wrong, I have huge respect for what you guys have done, and I love the site. And I want to be part of something bigger. I wonder if there's a way that you and other sites could work together.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple parts to that question. Uh, In terms of linking back to ModDB, I mean, of course we like that stuff. And uh, the argument there is that by uploading your downloads to ModDB and stuff, like, ModDB will not be going down anytime soon. We've been around for seven years. And so, I mean, this is something, if you upload it there, it's always going to be there. The problem with a lot of these smaller mod sites is, is, you know, either they have hosting problems or it goes, the site goes down, and, you know, the mod is lost. They're, you can't access anymore, and that's kind of a shame, especially for single-player mods, because, I mean, they're, they're kind of a packaged experience that you, could ex- that you can have any time, um, you know, whether it's a year from now or ten years down the road. If you have, still have the game and you want to play, you know, that mod, it, you can go to ModDB and download it. It'll be there. But, I mean... 10 years time that that website for that mod probably won't be around and so that's the argument for for like supplying downloads on mod db but um
0: in terms no, no, of I, sites
2: I, working together
0: sorry to interrupt but i wasn't talking about having the downloads available because i think that's a good thing and i do the same i mean i've got 50 gigabytes of downloads for single players i mean that when a new site links to somewhere instead of linking to the home page they link to the mod db profile and i'm just a a little bit worried that then that forces the smaller sites and even some of the websites to to not produce but i take your point maybe those sites disappear and you know it's a good point mod db will always be there
2: yeah well i mean a lot of these sites uh they even use the mod db profile as their main page and and kind of let their website is an afterthought. I mean, for a lot of mods that's not the case, of course, but uh, we're seeing increasingly more and more mods just using their ModDB, ModDB profile as their main page because uh, when it comes down to it, that's where they have the strongest connection to their community. People are able to comment on their videos, images, their main profile page, their news posts, so they get comments everywhere. and if they want to keep in touch with their community and, and can kind of get that feedback on a regular basis, they focus on ModDB.
1: I think too, um, we're, in a, we're in a time of, um, I guess, a social generation where MySpaces and Facebooks are big, and I know ModDB came out much before this, But now, people are so familiar with those types of sites. You see it all the time, Um, especially with musicians using MySpace as a portal. Um, They don't even have their own sites. They use MySpace, and not because... Not because MySpace is easier, not because it it provides them with a service to do so, but because there are other magician or magician other musicians on there as well, so um it's not just a singular source anymore um people are steering away from things like that usually uh, back in the in the nineties, you would go to a website, you would look at what's there. And you would say, okay, so this is interesting. And you only focus on that one thing. And I think now people want something a little bit more and a little bit more broad. And that's what sites like MySpace, Facebook, and ModDB do for the community. They allow people to converse um, cross-mod. Even though the mods have nothing to do with each other, you can have somebody browsing Insurgency while at the same time browsing, say, Cry of Fear. And... Those two groups and those two people are feeding each other essentially. So all the mods on Mod DB are feeding each other's communities, which is great, and it stirs up that amount of uh, like population generation. And I also think um, Mod DB came out early on in the days when RSS feeds still weren't really really big and people weren't using RSS as much as they are today. And Mod DB was, was a place for people to go to sites, or go to one site to get all their news, instead of subscribing or to go to many other sites. And it's just a familiar place now. That's how I think Mod DB has evolved. And now it's just got to a point where people are so familiar and so accustomed to it that it's become the standard, which is awesome for you guys.
0: Yeah, you Definitely. make a, a very good point. Can't argue with that. Yeah, but uh, I mean in In terms
2: of working with other sites, it's something that I've given thought to and actually you know mailed other sites about. but uh, I mean, it goes back to your first episode when you're talking about sites not work wanting to work with each other because they kind of deem each other as competition I mean in in the spirit of the modding scene, I mean modding should all be about uh, collaborating and uh, and working together and kind of and and that's what I'm very open to. so I mean sites like yours that are very, you know, have a laser line focus on, on a certain aspect of the modding scene are, are beneficial and, and uh, I mean, ModDB is a huge site and there's no way we can cover every game. I mean, we, we try our hardest and, you know, with the mod spotlight and stuff, we have a wide variety of mods featured there, but it, it's, it's really hard to get comprehensive coverage for every game. And so, I mean, I'm really open to working with other community sites like yourself to to kind of implement uh you know more content that you know is spread across and 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 forming some sort of network that that basically you know benefits everyone uh the smaller community sites as well as ModDB, dB as well as you know the mods that are featured on both so um yeah.
0: Okay, so um, really it's a case of other sites, uh, myself included, and ModDB thinking of ways how we can work together to improve the community as a whole. Um, so if there are any other sites out there listening, think about that, and maybe we can start some kind of mini forum or group where webmasters all get together and chat about what's good for everybody, because that's, that's my purpose in starting this, is to talk about what's good for everybody.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the same kind of mentality that you mod teams uh like I, you have a lot of mod teams that kind of work along the same lines that or that make the same kind of mods but they don't ever collaborate they kind of kind of lock horns in this competition and uh you know and, and it it's funny because i i mean with the steam mods the steamworks mods that recently got released on steam like they did sign ndas and stuff like that so that's that was probably a factor but it, when they were developing you know the steamworks uh the steamworks implementation they never once talked to each other uh about how they could go about that and and no doubt every single one of those mods experienced at least you know a few of the same problems and they all had to e- individually email valve about it and 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 you know valve in all their greatness and and uh you know they were very helpful eventually but you know they have other things that they will be doing and uh took them a while to get back to a lot of the mod teams. And that's part of the reason why, you know, all these mods that were rolled out on Steamworks kind of took a while. I'm sure there's other issues, but, um, you know, if, if these guys were working together from the beginning, I'm sure things could have gone a lot smoother. So, um, you know, and it's the same thing with other mods that are developing similar features for their mods. They, they have to be the first one, and they don't want to work together because... Uh, For for whatever reason, they just want to be the first mod to have that feature. And that's kind of disheartening to see.
0: Yeah, I agree. So to close up on on this particular section here, what we really want to see from all the listeners, and if uh, there's modders out there and team managers and website webmasters, let's work together. If you've got something that you can share, let's work together, and then everybody benefits. And in the end, we get more players, and that's good for everybody.
2: All you need is love.
0: (laughs) You're such a utilitarian, Philip. (laughs) Well, I just want what's best, uh, you know. So uh, the the more mods that get made, the more chance there are SP mods that get made. The more SP mods that get made, the more SP I play. So in some ways I'm being, you know, incredibly selfish because I just want more SP mods. But anyway, talking of that, we're going to move on to this week's discussion point. Um, by the time this gets published hopefully planet philip will be back online and there will be a a post there called game community academy and this is where i've uh, put together an idea about people working together in a more structured fashion to provide tutorials and things to create more mods and you'll be able to read all about it and hopefully the other guests today have so what's your initial opinion of my dream uh my
3: initial opinion i think it's a really good idea and I think it's, it's always nice to be able to help beginners and that kind of thing because I know exactly how difficult it is to start out. Um, it does seem like quite an ambitious project, but I'm not sure how many people would be willing to do that without being paid to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's a huge project and I mean, if it took five years to to even get to the stage where there was something, you know, really good, then it wouldn't surprise me. But, I'm sure, I mean, people spend a long time on mods. I've been running Planet Philip for five years. So, you know, older members of the community, gaming community ha- can take a perhaps a longer view of this. Um, but I have no illusions. It's a huge project. Ryan, what do you think?
2: Well, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a good idea because it ties into that whole collaborating uh, spirit.
0: I think it's a
1: great idea and uh, like you said it is a great undertaking but it'll only become um, I guess it'll only become popular or big if the principles as you call them um, are dedicated enough to ensure that the content is con- or constant and up to date and uh, you know so long as the principles work together uh, so you have to have a r- incredibly good staff for something like this to really take off, in my opinion.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it is a monumental effort, and I mean, again, if you're asking people to do this on a volunteer basis, it uh, it does it will get tedious. Um, another thing I, I'd like to to address with this is that you know, there's people who get into modding. You know at certain different levels and that's where mod DB kind of runs across a whole gamut of, of skill levels everyone from like the beginner to um, the hobbyist to you know the the guy who's trying to get a, ga- a job in the games industry and you know some people take it take it more serious than others so I mean I think something like this would only benefit people who are more serious than not um, people who are the hobbyists that kind of just um you you really have to be invested in it to get anything out of it and and be willing to look for the answers yourself cuz you get a lot of posts in forums like you know how do i start modding um how do i do this how do i do that without actually like looking for the resources out there on the internet um which which is another thing that you know that this could do is just kind of collate all those tutorials that are out there and provide them for people and just have all those resources in the same place
3: I was just about to say something like that, yeah, like, um, I mean, maybe just kind of um, accumulate all these tutorials which are basically all covering the same thing but saying it in different ways, um, and working out what's the best way to say it, what's the best way to teach someone how to do a specific thing related to modding, um, or whatever, And and just, yeah, collaborate.
2: It could be just as easy as that, as, you know, if someone's doing a texturing tutorial, instead of making a whole new tutorial, if there's already a whole bunch of tutorials... Out there, why not just amalgamate them all into one kind of like ultimate tutorial? You don't have to like make a whole new thing and just kind of make new content and for, for ground that's already been tread over a million times, you know, just kind of amalgamate all that content and put it together in one ultimate tutorial. You know,
1: it's almost like something like this is needed, um, and the main reason is because of, of the Valve ERC. And Valve ERC used to be exactly what you're asking for, and almost exactly what you're talking about. Uh, When Half-Life 1 was released, ERC was the greatest place, a collective, so to speak, of information about Half-Life modding. And it would almost go from the ground up on how to create your own Half-Life mod. Obviously, today now, there's so much... Uh, more information, uh, for example, things about Half-Life 2, and editing Half-Life 2, and Half-Life 1, and obviously Half-Life 2 is exponentially bigger than Half-Life 1 in terms of featureless. But now that the ERC is gone, and it's gone fairly recently, um, the community is almost asking for something like this.
0: Yeah, I, we have I know, I know well. what you're saying about erc and there are lots of good resources but one of the fundamental problems that i have with most of the tutorials is they're not written by people who know how to teach they're they're written by people who maybe know their their thing their technicalities but they don't know how to teach and this is a big problem and i've spent a lot of my uh, professional life within the teaching profession and, you know, you see it, and, and it's just it's frustrating, because having to work so hard to learn something is a negative, and it shouldn't be that way. Learning should be interesting, fun, and structured. Yeah, but then Nobody? now you
1: have to say, well, now, see, that worries me. You mentioned something about finding people who know how to teach. These, right now, are people who come from a design background, or people who are just doing this straight from a hobby, when you're asking for specific people or when you're asking for say professors or people who teach at a college level or even a high school level to go ahead and write these tutorials you're asking you're asking for a very specific person somebody who has experience in teaching and then has experience in doing what they're teaching
0: so no 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 you, no, no you no. have sorry to interrupt you what i'm asking for is that one of the principals or a group of the principals know how to take the technical information provided by the people who know the technical information and present it in a way that's best for learners i'm not expecting that you've got a professor who also has to be a hammer expert because that's just i mean there are some but there's just not enough All I'm suggesting is that we allocate different people to do different tasks. And a lot of those tutorials could be amalgamated and twisted and, you know, turned into a really good tutorial.
1: But you have to be careful about that. And I understand what you're saying. When you're asking for somebody to essentially proofread uh, a tutorial created by a designer or, say, a mapper, you're asking him to reorganize the information that would best suit somebody in a learning environment. And, say, a student... A teacher knows how to do that. Somebody who has teaching background definitely knows how to do that. They know how to organize that information. But they also have to understand the information. They have to know where the in- information is coming from so that they can have uh, a happy medium between organizing the information in a teachable way and organizing the information so that it makes sense for the information being taught. So you do. I think you really do need people who, um, I guess... Have that experience with what they're trying to organize, or else it'll kind of fall apart. That's why. That's why I'm saying you have to be careful with who you choose.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have mean... to. I have to agree with uh, with Cubic there, William. Um, just because of the fact that uh, you run into the same problems with like you know news posts on the front page, at ModDB. You know, if you have like a mapper or a designer that's kind of writing a news post or putting together a media release, they they you know you run into problems with. Uh, grammar, I mean, especially if English isn't their first language. And uh, I- if you're expecting people to do that for tutorials and kind of kind of edit them and proofread them and, and get them into uh, a suitable state for quote-unquote learners or people who want to learn and present the information better, you might run into some problems there with that.
0: Oh yeah, I, I I don't doubt that, and that's why right at the beginning I said it's going to be a huge undertaking because there are many problems like this. But I honestly believe that this is what's what's needed. I mean, there are lots. Of, I mean, you only need to just go to your local bookstore and you can find lots of books about learning do, uh, different things. And you know, why can't we why can't we do something on the same kind of level with the game community because there's a lot of guys out there who are very very smart and girls and if we just can somehow organize them then we can bring more people in and i think everybody benefits but it's a huge amount of work another thing too um what really grabs people people's attention
1: nowadays is making things easy people always want the easy route and, uh, it's quite clear. I mean, I'm not mocking on Mod DB, but it's kind of stems from what I was saying earlier. It's an easy way to check Half-Life news. It's an easy way to check Half-Life 2 news. Look at Wikipedia. It's an easy way to check up on information freely available, or right there, you don't have to go about and digging it. So I think another kind of, uh way of promoting this kind of idea is saying that it's an easy way for somebody to just go to one site and get all the information they need that's needed of course but then you're going to have the competition associated with that so that's another hurdle that you're going to have to jump over
0: yeah but for me that's a positive because then if somebody sees a really good tutorial and says man that's a great tutorial but I'm going to write an even better one fantastic because then you know you you improve the knowledge and the presentation of of what's available. So I think competition is good.
1: Right, of course. But all I'm saying is I'm talking about competition from your sense. How do you convince people or how do you convince readers or people who are interested in these tutorials that your site is what they should be using now after something they've been using for, say, a couple of years or um, that they're so used to?
0: Because for exactly the same reason as ModDb, Content is king. The content will be better than anything that else is available, which is really what ModDB is. There's more content of better quality than any other website.
2: Yeah, on top of that, I don't really know anyone that visits, like, one site in particular for all their tutorial needs. They just kind of do a Google, a massive Google search, right? Yeah,
0: yeah so there was a website that I found somewhat... Sorry, William. There was a website that I found that basically was just um, like... Uh, Delicious, which was a collection of links to all the different types of tutorials, and that was really good, but i, I can 't remember I think it faded but i mean it 's more than that it 's more than just one site
2: yeah, I think I mean, when we were discussing this philip like the the benefit there would be actually having like real people that would kind of listen to your issues and again it's it 's a matter of filtering it out so that you only get the more serious people who have already looked for the answers and kind of need that little bit more advanced help rather than just asking beginner questions because they can't be bothered to read a tutorial
0: yeah i mean there is a lot of that but hopefully eventually if it was to ever happen you would get the industry involved as well and you know valve and all the other makers of these types of games would get together and say this is a really good resource if we can support it in some way we will benefit
2: that raises a whole other question, and that's whether or not uh you know uh, game companies or de- game development companies see any value in the modding community.
0: Ooh, that's a huge question, probably not for today. <laughs> maybe when we get you back on another time,
2: all right, definitely,
0: okay, so if you get a chance, have a look at the uh, game community academy and pick holes in all the ideas and tell me what you think, comment on the uh, podcast. So we'd we'll love to hear what you think about that. And the next section today is Website of the Week. This is probably one that's been uh, around for a long time. Not probably, but definitely. And maybe a lot of listeners don't know about it.
1: To be honest, I didn't know about it.
0: <laughs> and you're a Half-Life either. historian, William. Oh, my gosh. What are you guys? Yeah, but okay, so... I just want to say I already I know all it. this stuff. <laughs> Okay, fair point, but for those who don't know, the Half-Life Saga Story Guide is a website where these people, or this person, I don't know to be honest, has put together all the information about the story, and, you know, rumours and ideas and things, so if you really want to learn more about the story behind it, then it's definitely worth a visit. Was it new for you, Matt or Ryan? It was very new for me, and it's a great website, actually.
2: I
1: can't say I I knew all this stuff. Um, because I,
3: I saw it a while ago, actually. Sorry, go ahead. Good. Oh no, I just wanted to say I
1: can't say I knew all this stuff because a little of these things are uh, assumptions based off of connections. But a little of the things in the timeline here that I'm looking over are assumptions based off of connections, um, publicly assumed assumptions. So it's not like that he's the person of this. Website is just pulling these out of, you know, his arse, so to speak. But, uh, this is a great site if you're, if you ever wanted to see the connection between the timeline, or if you, if you never really paid attention to the half, because I, there was a time in my life when I realized I never really paid attention to Half Life. I never paid attention to the story, and I didn't quite get it. So then I said to myself, you know, I'm gonna start, um, looking into the story and really paying attention, because obviously there's something interesting going on there. And I know there's a lot of people out there. Who who don't pay attention to Half-Life and they just kind of get zombified when they're playing the game and they're just running around shooting things, they don't care about what's going on in the background. So if you do, and if you start to care, and if you're wondering what's going on and what, how does this all connect, this site is great, you can just read it in like less than 10 minutes.
3: It's very easy to miss a lot of the story in Half-Life, isn't it? I mean, I, the first time I played it through, I didn't really understand what was going on at all because there's such a big gap, especially from the the first game. That it can be quite confusing, so this site really good for helping you to understand exactly what went on.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much stuff that I thought, oh God, I never thought of that, and oh yeah, that's a good idea, and and I mean, this we'll touch on this in future shows where we talk about the trivia. I mean, we mentioned it in the very pilot edition where we talk about the moving walls and there's so many of those little details that we probably don't notice on a conscious level but we have noticed subconsciously and that's one of the things that keeps us and me in particular coming back to this whole this whole game that's why
1: i just like to state that the author's from canada so woo, go canada i know it's that in the domain
0: Okay, so yeah. that's the website of the week, the Half-Life Saga Story Guide. Um, we're not going to give you the the link because it's not one that you can write down, but it will be in the uh, sidebar links of the podcast when we produce it later this week. So definitely look out for that. Got a few... Um notes to talk about some things to talk about we're looking for show sponsors now what we're looking for here is we we would like to find somebody to sponsor a show and the reason we want to do that is because we want to provide some prizes so as a show sponsor you would basically either provide um money yes please or a prize and in return we'd offer you a sort of a spot we're not going to publish uh Talk about the details now, but if you're interested, if you're a company or a website or something that want to become involved in that, please contact us and we can talk about it. Another thing that we're looking for is news partners, um, websites where we can link back to that have uh, specialist types of news, and we got a, like a program going for that. So if you're a, a webmaster of a specialist site um, and you can provide news to us, then please contact us about that. Uh, another thing, sorry to be talking all the time, is we've had a cancellation for a guest next week. So if you are interested in joining the show next week, please contact us. Uh, we will discuss the details in emails. But if you have something interesting to say, a mod to promote or want to be uh, part of the show, then please contact us at feedback at podcast17.com. OK, apologies for the lateness of last week's show. William's already mentioned that, but it's on my notes, so I wanted to do that as well. We're really sorry about that. And lastly, from me, in the first real episode, I posed a question, which was, who is Dyson Poincare? And nobody answered. So just to put you out of your misery, from the suspense, he was the original name of Gordon Freeman. Okay, somebody else talk. I'm running out of breath.
1: Which was interesting, because they did bring that up in that mod that we were talking about that same episode. Um now I can't remember the name of it. Ha- half secret. Half secret.
0: Yes, exactly. He the the guy sorta of put it there and it was a pure coincidence. So I'd already thought of the question before I played it.
1: Now see, Dyson Poincare represents Gordon the pre Gordon Freeman model. I don't know if you guys remember that, the whole biker model. He looks more like a Dyson Poincare. But I think the current the Gordon biker.
2: Freeman.
3: I don't know. <laughs> I've been the space biker. <laughs> I think that's what they affectionately named him. It's, uh, it's mentioned somewhere in raising the bar. <laughs> it,
0: w- was it Ivan the space the space biker? Yeah. Oh, There you are. There will be more trivia questions um, in the future, so listen out for those. Well, it's time to wrap up the show. It's been another long one, so I would like to thank Ryan, a.k.a. Stenchy, from ModDB, and Matt, a.k.a. Crowbar Scar. We'll have you on another time to talk about Union, which we didn't do this week. Sorry about that. So thanks, guys, for coming.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks so much, guys. And thank you to William and Nick, our producer. William, any last words? No, that is it. So, keep uh, listening, keep giving us feedback, and uh, thank you for listening, and see you in 168 hours. code 8765...